0: and grow the industry around the world. Uh, We've got a really exciting podcast for you today. Um, And I know I always say that, but today is really exciting and it's a bit different. I've been looking forward to doing this for a long time. Um, we got the opportunity to talk to Eva Hackinson. Um, she has got an absolute passion for vehicle electrification, and she's somewhat famous for um, being the uh, the pilot and the builder and the engineer behind the world's fastest electric motorcycle. So, um, without further ado, we'll um, we'll get into today's podcast. So, I'm here with Eva Hackinson, and. Um, Really excited to be doing this podcast today, Eva, so thanks very much for joining us. Could you just tell everyone about yourself and where you're from?
1: Well, thank you for having me, and um, to tell you where I'm from is not that straightforward. (laughs) So I'm originally from Sweden, moved to um, Colorado in the US um, about 12 years ago for love, Okay. and moved to New Zealand about a year ago for work, and brought my love with me, so we're both here. They're still, still married to the same guy. So I'm, I'm currently in New Zealand. Okay. So I guess that's where I'm from right now.
0: Okay. What did you do when you were in Colorado?
1: So I got my engineering degree in Colorado uh, and um, went all the way through with, with for a PhD in engineering, mechanical engineering. So that took quite a few years.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: And um, of course, when you are in engineering school, you need a solid hobby project because you have so much time and money to spare. <laughs> <you
0: know? laughs> yeah. Yeah
1: yeah you basically have no life but you can you can always squeeze in an hour of work between math homework and physics assignment and if you do that every day for 10 years you can end up with a with the world's fastest electric motorcycle in your garage <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what i did spent most of my time in colorado uh, building a an electric vehicle to be the fastest in the
0: world awesome and of course um <laughs> The motorbike, for everyone who maybe hasn't seen it, I know a lot of people have, it has a name, doesn't it? It's a pretty cool thing. Of course it
1: has a name. All, yeah. all I mean, all purpose-built, unique uh, racing vehicles needs an identity. So this is Kilojoule, is its name. So it's a big red. Uh, it is, uh, under international competition rules, it's considered a motorcycle. Okay. And they, because it has fewer than four wheels, and that's the definition of a motorcycle, it has three wheels, but it's not symmetric. It's a sidecar streamliner motorcycle.
0: Right. Okay.
1: So it ha- So it looks basically like a, a, a red rocket with one wing sticking out on the side. And that wing has a wheel on the end. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I mean, it's incredibly fast, this thing. How, how fast has Kilojoule been?
1: It has been 270.224 miles per hour. So that's about 434 kilometers per hour. Wow. So It makes it the world's fastest electric motorcycle, but it makes it far from the world's fastest motorcycle overall. Right. And I need to change that,
0: of course. Okay, what, what, so how, what's the fastest motorcycle then? The
1: f- fastest motorcycle is at 376 miles per hour, or about 605
0: kilometers per hour. Okay, so you've got a little bit of so making that, up to do.
1: I do have a little bit of making up, about 100 miles per hour. So, and if you know anything about power, you know to increase about one third in speed takes you somewhere about two and a half times the power.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's even with the um, the really good um, aero effects of because it's pretty, it's very slippery. The, 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 the aero of it, it's very. Uh...
1: Yeah, it, it's it's decent. It's completely streamlined. It looks uh, pretty much like an airplane with with one tiny wing. Yeah. Um, but th- there's more work that can be done on aero. Okay. It's not not as good as the best ones, so but that... much, much better than the normal motorcycle, of course. <laughs>
0: yeah. And you, you're not, do you kind of sit in, you don't sit in a normal kind of motorbike riding position, is it? Are you?
1: No, of... not at all. So, so nothing is normal with this motorcycle. So it has as much in common with a normal motorcycle as a Formula One car has in common with your family van. Okay, They're yeah. both considered cars. <laughs> These are both considered motorcycles. But it, it's it's totally purpose-built. Wow. And, and uh, philosophically, it's more than a car, like a car. You sit inside, it has a complete roll cage. It's fully enclosed. you pretty much laid back um, like in a recliner seat. The seven-point harness, helmet, flame suit, all the... Wow. Every safety equipment known to man.
0: Wow. So what... 12 years ago, 10 years ago, when you started this project, I mean, this is kind of, for an electric vehicle, that's a long time ago. I mean, everyone, obviously electric vehicles now are super cool uh, and everyone uh, gets it or people are starting to get it <laughs> in, a, um, in the new world, uh, the post-Tesla age. Um, but back then, what inspired you? <laughs> what, were you what were you thinking? <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> So I've been in electric vehicles since long before it was cool. And my husband, Bill DeBay, has been in electric vehicles even longer. He built his first conversion in 1995 and has commuted with an electric car since 1995. Wow. Uh, I got into electric motorcycles about early 2000-ish, 2005 or so. Actually, first time around, I went to college. I went for a business degree um, focusing on sustainable um, business and economy and realized from a basically from a thermodynamical perspective, the electric vehicle is unbeatable. There's just nothing that uses energy more efficient. This was on the big boom of ethanol and biofuels was the hottest thing. Yeah. But I just looked at the um, from the the scientific perspective and concluded that everything except electric vehicles are incredibly wasteful. Yeah. And why should we just throw away 80 percent of our energy or 90 percent of our energy to get to work and back?
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: so I just kind of got involved in electric vehicles. My dad has actually been in electric vehicles since the 80s. No, sorry, from since the 70s. Oh wow. Uh, since okay. the first oil the first oil crisis, uh whenever that was, 1970 something. He built an electric motorcycle, well, electric scooter prototype for Monarch. He worked for Monarch uh, with their racing motorcycles. Oh wow. But uh, uh, unfortunately the same day the motorcycle was presented to the press the oil crisis was over <laughs> uh, it right. so, was kind of a bad timing mm. uh, so that died again so he just kind of continued on this as a hobby some electrothon and things in the 80s went to the uk actually competing lucas oil electrothon <laughs> i
0: think <laughs> right 1980
1: yeah. something i was there uh, not quite in a baby carrier but probably in a stroller yeah um uh so, so my dad has been in, in in electric vehicles forever so I kind of got it as a genetic disorder from <laughs> from that side as well my my dad is also a motorcycle racer so it's, it's double genetic disorder
0: Yeah yeah okay
1: So it was just the electric vehicles just everything's kind of perfectly coming together when you have everything you want from a vehicle you have you have power torque speed And from a a sustainability perspective, it's incredibly efficient, and it's a good way of using your electricity. And then you have the zero pollution where you drive it. It's just like it's a. You're looking at the whole perspective and and the way we use cars in our daily lives. Like I I commute back and forth about 30 minutes each direction. Yeah. Um, An electric car is just a no-brainer. Yeah. I bought a, a used Nissan Leaf, a direct import from Japan. It's the best car I've ever had, and it cost me pennies to drive
0: yeah so so from the outset did you always think right this is going to be the fastest electric bike on the planet or did it kind of start as a well i'll, I'll build an electric motorbike and then it go oh I'll make a bit of a fast one and then a bit faster and then a bit did it did it did it snowball or was it always going to be the the big red jewel right from the stars
1: the jewel was always built to be the fastest right but it wasn't the first one Wow. So I, I, um, how I really got into electric vehicles were back. Well, I, I finished my, my first my first university degree. I wanted an electric car, but I couldn't afford one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I didn't have the garage space to build one. And my dad suggested, that, well, why don't we convert a motorcycle to electric? That will be a nice-sized project for you. And I had just gotten my motorcycle license, so I was all set for that. Uh, so we converted an old K- Kajiva Freccia. A weird Italian two-stroke motorcycle. Yeah, we bought with a seized engine block and um, took us about I don't know, half a year or a year or so. Some Thunder Sky batteries in there and a, a um, e-Tech electric motor. <laughs> the standard setup for for the, the t- that time.
0: Yeah, wow. Yeah.
1: And we built it together in Sweden, and that really got me into electric vehicles. And, and uh, then this around the same time, I um, well actually, I, I wrote a book about electric vehicles um uh, in college I kind of got recruited by a green lobbyist organization right okay um uh, a green motorsport organization and um, uh, they wanted me to write a book about electric vehicles because no one really knew anything
0: okay so and
1: in- so I wrote a in Swedish a little tiny like hundred pages pocket ah, okay, right. books explaining what is an electric vehicle what is a hybrid vehicle right and uh, Of course, I wanted a picture of the fastest electric motorcycle at the time, which was the kilocycle, the drag bike kilocycle. So um, I decided I would track down the owner and ask for permission because I'm a rule follower. So every picture that was published in the book, this book, of course, had written permission to be used. So I tracked down the owner, built a base, sent him an email, say, hey, can I use a picture of your motorcycle in my book? And he said, yeah, sure. And then three more pages of email came back about everything about the killer cycle. Uh. Uh, and then we were just kind of c- communicating back and forth. And it um, turned out that we were planning to go to the same electric vehicle symposium, the EVS-23 in Los Angeles, in 2007. And that's where we met in person. And the rest is just history. So uh, a year later, I moved to Colorado. And about a year after that, we got married. And we're still married. <laughs> so so that's kind of We started with this uh, conversion, the ElectroCat. I built with my dad. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I I married Bill and kind of got the Killer Cycle in the deal. Yeah. And, and we were drag racing the Killer Cycle. And so the Killer Cycle is a 650 horsepower electric drag bike, purpose built for drag racing. And it does zero to 60 miles per hour in less than one second. It's a 3G acceleration. Wow. Okay. But the problem with running on the drag strip is that you run out of room. It's only a quarter mile, 402 meters. Yeah, yeah. So it's really, really hard to get to top speed. Yeah. So at the 174 miles per hour top speed, that was, uh, at the time, the fastest electric motorcycle in the world. But that doesn't really impress people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they just,
0: uh, <laughs> Depends who you're talking circles, to, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, in drag racing circles, that's respectable. Yeah. But the general public, they were kind of, oh, OK, well, I can go to the... The, the motorcycle dealer and buy a motorcycle that goes that fast. Yeah. And, um, and you can, so, so we were drag racing the kill cycle and, and, and the whole mission, uh, both for Bill and for me were, were to promote electric vehicles. And when the acceleration it's impressive, but we realized what people care about is top speed. That is really what, 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 it um, gets the message through how superior electric vehicles are. Right. So we just kind of decided one day um, the kill cycle was kind of getting due for retirement. It's yep. been racing for for almost ten years at the time, and uh, so we thought, you know, why don't we build the world's fastest electric motorcycle? <laughs> Basically, it was just a decision.
0: As you
1: do. Um, it wasn't really. The, it was a two-step decision. Was let's build something that's insanely fast.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, we decided to stick to motorcycles because uh, we would get more speed for the money. It's simply a smaller vehicle, and yeah. with the, the horsepower is the, it's the, it's the big expense. Um, and with a smaller vehicle, you can get more speed out of the same horsepower. Also, you can have a smaller trailer, and everything just gets easier.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But to go really fast, you have to have a streamliner motorcycle. That's really the only way uh, to get to any significant speed. And the goal was 400 miles per hour. Right. That was the initial goal. It's still the goal. <laughs> still the goal. Yeah. We're still working towards that. So yeah, that's kind of the whole story. We just decided one day, hey, why, why don't we do this?
0: So you must we be. Thought... You, you've got to yeah. be the only couple who got married as a result of EVS. <laughs> that's. Uh...
1: I guess that's true. are really the only couple that ever got married thanks to EVS. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of unique. <laughs> yeah, romantic <laughs> dates at
0: it, EVS, it, and then. Uh... It's not.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it for for you know your matchmaking needs.
0: It's definitely a niche. Not. Definitely a very special niche. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. What do they say? The 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 odds are good, but the goods are on.
0: <laughs> I, well, I was. You know, you can't you can't expect to deal with you know uh, very uh, intelligent people and have normal behaviour. That's uh, that's what I always tell myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, uh, you find a lot of intelligent people at EBS, but they're, they're definitely quite quite quirky. But, but it, yes, uh, that was I had I, I I had never thought of it that way. I had a date at EVS
0: twenty three, <laughs> and particularly back then. I mean, because it is now you know it's more mainstream and people you 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 guys were really before your time. You oh, know, yeah. oh yeah, It's uh, Completely, because like now everyone is talking about electric racing and electric motorsport, and it's a big topic. Like people are, you know, they're launching whole championships, and you've got the Formula E, and you know. Um, it's 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 a really mainstream thing, but back then it was so. You know, I can't imagine many people would have even thought of that, let alone sort of thought of it and then started to um, execute on it and, and and actually get on and do it. It's it's uh, that's phenomenal. So
1: well, it, it takes ten years to become an overnight success. Yeah, <laughs> that's really the reality. Yeah. No, so, we, it, uh, uh, we we. I've always known that electric cars would take off. I have always been convinced. Everybody says that when you, when 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 you, you when you're right on something, but I've always been convinced, and the development has actually gone quicker yeah. than I think most people expected. The start was a little bit slow. I thought 2010 would be the big breakthrough year. Didn't happen.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, it was a few years later, but now it's here in New Zealand. The number of electric vehicles, uh, cars. Um, passenger cars have doubled in less than a year yeah when I bought mine uh, about thirteen months ago there were six thousand electric cars in for four and a half million people and now there are twelve thousand electric cars and they think it will double again this year
0: there's a lot of really good product coming into the market that's affordable and and people can can get and they they' just understood so much better now aren't they it's um the, the, it, it it has taken a little while but now you do find that once someone's driven an electric car, they generally don't want to go back, you know
1: it's a bit when when the iPhones were released, there was kind of oh, that's weird, a big phone with a glass front. who wants that?
0: No keyboard yeah
1: <laughs> they will no keyboard that will never sell <clears throat> yeah and then two years later, it just exploded and and now it's kind of you don't have an iPhone mm. weird <laughs> or at yeah. least a smartphone
0: yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. So, so you then spent in in Colorado. You spent um, was it eight years building the bike, and then you you, you started doing runs.
1: Yeah, yeah. about so um, we cut cut the first steel tubes. Uh, mm. physically. Spring break, twenty ten.
0: Right, and then raced it eighteen months or
1: a year later. So it's a bill is breaking in here and saying, yeah, um, we actually raced it the first time six months later.
0: Oh wow! We oh. took
1: it to Bonneville the six months after the um, um, we started build. Uh, it ran, but it didn't complete the run. So we built it with two wheels as a solo motorcycle because I didn't even know such a thing as a streamliner sidecar motorcycle existed. Okay. So we, we <laughs> it was another crazy thing in in the project was we decided to build a land speed racing vehicles without ever having been to Bonneville. <laughs> Okay. So yeah. we 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 just searched for for streamliner motorcycles online and downloaded all the photos we could find, and then we looked at what other people had done, and then we copied the pieces we liked.
0: Right, and 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 you did do so. This wasn't like a checkbook exercise where you went out and you got some shop to do it. You you guys, I've seen some of the photographs. You you really did it, like all of it.
1: Oh yeah, we, this was a, this is a, 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 we we joke. Uh, we would be on a shoestring budget if we could afford shoestrings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and we were, I don't know how we could, have, how we were so naive. I don't know if we were so naive. I think we were in denial how much this was going to cost mm. because we somehow had, had, had thought it would be maybe a $10,000 in parts or so. Right. And, and, and we have spent 10 or 20 or 30 times that. I don't know. I, I never kept count. Yeah. Yeah. I just know that the paycheck and the credit card bill would had about the same numbers every month <laughs> for quite a few
0: years. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, there is. I think yeah, so, even, electric, so no, uh, <laughs> yeah, even electric. Yeah, Even electric motorsport suffers from. Uh, you know, you need a lot of money to do it.
1: Oh, electric motorsport is not cheap.
0: No. Yeah. yeah. It's
1: a. It's a. It's an addiction it's very much an addiction and it's the only way to explain it actually i i I tell people a drug addiction would have been cheaper but the uh, the high is not as sustainable
0: (laughs) yeah Uh, and this
1: keeps you motorsport keeps you out of trouble because you simply don't have any money to get in trouble
0: (laughs) but then or time you really helped because you guys have um, you've got some real skills, you and Bill. Um, it's sort of all the kind of design of the bike, the fabrication of the parts, all the yeah. Kind so, of so, we
1: have done um, uh, I have, uh, uh, so design design wise, we're probably about 50 50 in, in this split, and then we have a few other people that help me, including my dad. Mm. Uh, manufacturing wise, I have probably spent 80% of the hours, yeah, yeah. Blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> and uh, so, combined me and Bill, we've probably done 95 to 99 percent of the work on the bike in our garage in our spare time. And then we have had uh, um, people helping, very valuable people helping, but uh, not as much as time wise. Wow. But yeah, we built so we're both mechanical engineers. Um, and uh, I got my a phd in mechanical engineering bill has a bachelor degree in mechanical engineering and a phd in, in applied physics so
0: right we, and you can well so engineering
1: is it's is, is, <laughs> is our addiction addiction in many more than one aspect
0: yeah <laughs> and so so then so you, you ran you built you did a, quite a quick build and ran in six months but then it then how long did it take to get to doing the proper um the the record attempt
1: So we did. We did set the first world record uh, after eighteen months. Yeah, it was uh, quite modest. It was one hundred and thirty-eight miles per hour, but at the time that was the official world record for electric motorcycles. Oh wow! Okay. And then um, uh, shortly thereafter. So so (laughs) shortly thereafter, and and and, and, uh, we installed a new powertrain. So we started out. We started out. We actually cannibalized the killer cycle for its old DC powertrain to. uh, uh, advanced DC, basically forklift motors and Zilla controllers and the uh, A123 systems battery pack.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, and that that race, when I came to 138 miles per hour, I used up four motors <laughs> that I that just, just arced and burned up. We think they inhaled salt. They ah. were open frame, um, uh, air-cooled motors, and they just couldn't take the environment.
0: Right, yeah.
1: So that was kind of, we realized we had to go AC. Yep. Yeah and that's kind of where're where, where this where the stories uh, kind of um, and the, the meet with uh, with with you guys <laughs> and the evil motor
0: yeah so we
1: got an Evo motor in 2011 the AFm 240 Um, installed that with two Reinhardt controllers and uh, a1 batteries again and it has run flawlessly for now for um, uh, eight years right it's- and it's it it, it it yeah. I don't want to show it any photos because it's it's it, it's been in such harsh environment. It's kind of it's quite corroded. It's a bit chewed it is up. Not pretty anymore. It's a bit chewed up. Yeah. Um. I, I tried to get a photo of it of its placard and it's yeah. It has lived a hard life. Uh, it it's not. It's definitely not a show condition anymore. But it has just run. Um. Uh, it has just run and run and run without with zero problems. And is it? We are just blown away, and I'm just not just saying that because I'm talking to you. I'm saying that to everybody <laughs> that's asking. It's an it's an absolutely amazing motor, and that's what I. That's really what our the the reason for our success is the is the reliable powertrain. Right. Because the other teams spend they spend their whole race week just trying to get it to run, and then they spend all winter on the dyno trying to get all cylinders to fire and mm. timing to work, and, and and then they get out and sold and things still don't work. Yeah. and we just plopped this in uh we actually we were out to bonneville maybe three weeks after we had arrived, received the motor yeah we just stuffed it in wired it up took it out that event rained out so it took another year before we could set a record with the motor and, but, and how does amazing.
0: It, it does it drive it, how, how does it work uh, is it is it rear rear wheel drive you have a single motor yeah. right so one motor driving a through a chain to the rear wheel?
1: Yeah. So it's um, a motorcycle. Sidecar motorcycles are only allowed to be driven on the rear wheel. Right. So it's a, it's a one-wheel driven, three-wheeled vehicle. So just to give a, a bit of a, a, a the, the motorcycle, the kind of the fuselage body has a front wheel that steers yep. and a rear wheel that drives. And that isn't close to something. It looks almost like an airplane body.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And then it on the side, it has a sidecar, which looks like a wing, which actually is an upside down wing. Oh, and it okay. has a, a skinny little wheel on the, on the end of it.
0: Okay, to give you a bit of stability.
1: Yeah, and the, the sidecar is um, provides downforce.
0: Okay, yeah, it keeps you on the ground. That's You want that, so you're not taking off. Uh, where, where are the batteries? <laughs> Do they sit under you or next to you? Or? No,
1: they sit, be, they sit be, uh, behind me. So everything is stacked. Yeah, so it's the front wheel, and then, then it's me. Then it's a firewall. Then are all the batteries.
0: Okay, and it, is it a big battery pack in it do you need a lot of batteries or is it... uh,
1: it's not it's not that big it's uh, 10 kilowatt hours 400 volts okay it weighs about um, 150 kilograms or so together with boxes and everything and then the uh, um, stack death mat is a fire extinguisher system uh, which is required because you have to follow the rules for, for internal combustion vehicles yeah and then the motor uh, and on top of the motor are the Reinhardt controllers. Right, and then it's a direct chain drive to the rear wheel, so no gearbox, just a, a reduction gear.
0: Oh, cool. Okay, so so really very simple drive line compared to some of the bikes that have um, engines and six-speed transmissions and all that sort of stuff. It's very. Oh
1: yeah, it's a it's a giant cordless drill with wheels. It's as simple <laughs> as it, it gets.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's a little bit slightly more. It has a, so the Evo uh, AFM two forty is. I mean, it's electrically two motors, yes. two two motors on the same shaft, so th- that gives a little bit more complexi- uh, complexity, complexity, uh, because it has two motor controllers and six wires going into it. But yeah. that's that's nothing in in
0: complexity. So you're taking advantage of um, the lower phase currents of running two separate controllers rather than a single big controller.
1: Which... Yeah, some people claim that. Uh, I'm not. That deep into the electrical engineering to really have a uh, an opinion.
0: Mm, yeah, I,
1: I have to say. So I'm 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 a mechanical engineer. I'm I'm really much more on the. I mean, I t- totally understand the electrics and and the, but it's not my it's not my specialty. Yeah. So when you start talking about the 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 nitty gritty of motor controllers, I I just nod and say, okay, if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's it's right. Yeah, uh, So I, that, that's actually that's also the kind of the division in, in the design work is that Bill um, is more heavy on the electronic side of things. He does the motor setup and programming of controllers and all of that. Right. And I prefer uh, cutting and bending tubes and welding and okay. painting. And I d- like painting. That's a weird, weird <laughs> thing. But I just I t- find it very, very soothing to <laughs> brush th- brush paint things. <laughs>
0: Is it? did you take, um, is Killer Jewel in New Zealand with you? Did you take it over there? Or so
1: Killer uh, Kilojoule uh, uh, now lives in New Zealand, but right at this very moment, it's actually just arrived to port in Adelaide, Australia.
0: Oh, wow. So okay. it has
1: been on a sea voyage for the last two weeks. Right. And uh, it it's arrives uh, perfectly on time because in, in two weeks we're going to Australia and Lake Gardner and the Salt Flats. For a new record attempts
0: oh brilliant okay so what's the what's the plan there
1: so the, the, there are several parts to the plan um, it's a new venue for us and it's a quite challenging venue it's 150 kilometers off the sealed road so it's a it's a very very long and poor dirt road to get to the event yeah um, uh, shipping is it logistics and shipping is a challenge because you have to ship a sea container and have it tracked out to the the, the, uh, the racetrack and um, uh, and I'm actually, yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a long, it's a, uh, it, it's an adventure just to get there and you are far out, you, you're way outside and mobile phone coverage or, or anything. And, right. and if you didn't bring it, you won't have it. So it's, it's camping in the outbacks and racing at the same time. And uh, so just understanding the venue and learning logistics is a big, big learning experience this year. Uh, but the main purpose of the event is to, um, try out new components so right. we have a new bike on the drawing board and soon on the shop floor. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the the tubes are sitting and waiting to be bent and cut.
0: Okay. And the and new bike is called? Green Envy. Green Envy. Okay, cool.
1: So Green Envy is the successor to um, um, Kilojoule. Kilojoule is now, I mean, it's, it's, it's nine years old, and that's very old for a racing vehicle, in particular a racing vehicle that lives in a very corrosive environment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, so it's it's kind of due for retirement. Uh, I get annoyed at all the mistakes we made. But that 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 reminds me all the time. It's the, the frame isn't perfectly straight, and there are all kinds of things you could have we could have done better. Uh, so we're building a whole new bike, but a meter longer, and making room for twice the powertrain. Right. So to get to this 400 miles per hour, I need somewhere in the order of magnitude a thousand horsepower, and to fit that, I need a bigger bike. Also needed, bit bit more more sturdy to take that amount of power and torque. <laughs>
0: that's a lot so, of power. So, a lot of power. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it is. But uh, I mean, an electric drivetrain—that's not impossible at all. It's yeah. expensive, um, but uh, uh, and the beauty with electrics is that you can you can stack such a drivetrain in one uh, long skinny um, unit. Yeah. So that's another thing with electric. with land speed racing is uh, what determines your horsepower need is how big the hole is in, in the air, the, the hole you make in the air. So the right. skinnier the vehicle is, the faster you can go with the same amount of horsepower. And the internal combustion guys, they struggle with fitting their big engines and ah. in, a small, in a small cross section. And with electrics, it's actually the, the rider's shoulder width that sets the uh, width of the vehicle. The vehicle could have been skinnier from a powertrain perspective, yeah. but I need to fit my shoulders.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. And
1: it ended up being, I think it's about 21 inches wide, and that is my shoulder width, and that sets the overall vehicle
0: width. Wow, 21 inches. Wow, that's, yeah, okay. <laughs> I didn't think I would so fit inside that.
1: <laughs> uh, most normal-sized people would not fit. So if you're five, you have to be 5'2 or 158 centimeters to fit inside. That's what it's built for.
0: Right, yeah, bill
1: Bill has never been inside it.
0: You have a strategic advantage.
1: We... <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so so we're building a new bike, the green envy. Uh, the the plan, the plan debut is uh, in a year, which is a very optimistic plan, considering the fact that I also work a full-time job., yeah. but <laughs> uh, uh, but we're trying out components, yeah, so we're trying out um, uh, systems like uh, data logging, battery management, um I have had students designing a new break shoot for me. I'm hoping to be able to try that out. Uh, but most importantly, you must really I'm trust your to... students. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know they're, you know, I know their teacher, they must be good. <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll have a backup shoot. <laughs> yeah, that's a regular design. Uh, uh, um, but the most important thing we are trying out, which is a super exciting project, is that I am literally reinventing the wheel.
0: Okay, right. <laughs> okay,
1: right. So <laughs> the the weakest link in any wheel-driven vehicle um, is the tire. Okay. So that's the only – you're transmitting all this horsepower through a tiny little contact patch of rubber. Yeah, it's spinning at 5,000 RPM, and um, and tires is a, a it's just a huge problem. And, and also at 5,000 RPM, uh, here, I would test your physics uh, knowledge here. Yeah. Uh, if you have a wheel, it's uh, two feet in diameter, 24 inches, 600 millimeters, um, it's spinning at 5,000 RPM. Yeah. If you were sitting on the surface of this tire, what would be the G-force acting on you?
0: Uh, Yeah, I can't do that math in my head on a Friday morning. What do you think? Just take a guess. Oh, 20?
1: <laughs> okay, take a guess again. <laughs> 100? <laughs> no, again.
0: Uh, uh, no, no, go on, tell me, tell me, tell me.
1: About 30,000 G.
0: Oh, my God. Okay, right.
1: So, So a little rubber piece of rubber tread that weighs one gram weighs thirty kilograms at speed.
0: Wow. <laughs> okay. So you're holding the tires together is is a just
1: holding the tires together is a huge issue. Right. And the problems with tires if they if they break and run flat is that it will probably send you airborne in a very yeah. Um, yeah um, that is the worst case. Best case, it will just tear your vehicle apart.
0: I I have seen some bad accidents with um, on on uh, speed races and drag races with tire blowouts. It's it's always yeah. a, It's a good way to end up um, pointing the wrong way up.
1: Yeah, and and also adding to the problem is tires are fairly expensive and hard to come by at these speed ratings. Yeah. Um. But even that, even if they had a, the checkbook, sufficient checkbook is that they only come in very specific sizes and they typically always designed for cars. mm but they are all designed for cars, uh, so for a motorcycle you end up with grossly overdimensioned tires mm. because you're running on car tires. Yeah. Um, so, so, so all of this was not attractive um, from a building and racing perspective. Uh, so we've been dwelling on the idea for years that um, we've been looking at tires, how tires fail. I had a tire uh, delaminate at 213 miles per hour; but pieces came flying out of the uh, the, the the surface and um, hit the inside of the fender and, and smoke came out of the bubbles that bubbled up on the, on the tire. I, I thought I was on fire, but it was actually <laughs> the front tire coming apart.
0: Wow. But,
1: um, it, it, so that was, it was quite exciting. Um, and, and things like that, we just kind of come to the conclusion, looking at tires and what happens is the tires appear to fail uh, in the interface where the rubber is connected to the core. Right. To the cord of the tire. And that's a really, adhe- rub- tires are made up of layers that are basically glued together, vulcanized together. So the idea we've been dwelling on, can we make a wheel that still has a rubber grip, but it doesn't rely on adhesion? So it isn't glued together. It's mechanically held together. So so over about two years working on this, we, came, we have designed our own wheel which is a, a solid aluminum wheel uh, it has tons of drilled holes looks like a spaghetti colander <laughs> and then a, a a mat with rubber nubbies sticks through from the inside and then bolted the screwed into place with a back plate so you have a metal wheel that has little hairs or it looks like a um, you need to shave like a two-day <laughs> <laughs> beard um, it sticks out through this metal wheel and the rubber touches the, the, um, uh, ground. So his little fingers about 10 millimeters in diameter, this little rubber nubby sticks out six millimeters or it looks like Lego pieces, right? Okay. <laughs> or something <clears throat> NASA would make for the Mars rover. It looks very, very odd. But the idea is that this is a, a tire that cannot run flat and right. it still has the rubber grip. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so that was a long a, a, a long description. But that's what I've been working on over the past year at the University of Auckland.
0: And is it um have you tested that um without being in the driving seat, so to speak, already? Uh, it's like No,
1: I have not. Okay. Uh, I haven't had that luxury. I've run out of basically run out of time. Okay. So we just packed it up, shipped shifted, shipped it off to Australia. Right. And, well, actually, I say it isn't it isn't totally true. We uh, we did uh, try a prototype wheel in 2017. So the wheels I'm trying out now in Australia are, are super fancy. They're they're machined by the the Central University Machine Shop. Right. Uh, machined out of a billet. They're absolutely gorgeous. Has taken enormous amount of work to make, but the technicians made them for me. Um. But in 2017, uh, Bill and I uh, built a. Uh, a prototype wheel for the sidecar, same idea with 3D printed rubber, little rubber fingers. Yeah. That we just a uh, uh, friend machine the, the the main wheel in his in his garage <laughs> in his spare time, and we drilled all the holes yeah. by hand, yeah, 3D printed the rubber um, uh, inserts, and we tried that in 2017. So so that was I think that that prototype wheel was 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 convinced the university to give me a, a, a small research grant to continue on it.
0: Okay, so you, you, it's going to be a big event then, really uh, lots of excitement, a little bit of uh, lots of data gathering, and I guess um, that's, that's, that's massive. So a completely new wheel system. For the-
1: yeah, so it's, it's really a test session. Um, I would love to set some new records. Yeah. Um, if I can manage to break the light twice, it would be an Australian record because I'm running in class that's open right yeah uh, for record wise um i'm always hoping for 300 miles per hour i think the bike has it has 300 miles per hour in it if everything works out perfectly yeah uh, but that's not really the main goal the main goal is to try out all these new stuff yeah uh, because if it works then we can just throw that onto green envy and and go racing with some some serious horsepower
0: wow fantastic <laughs> <laughs> it- so that's a long long plan a long explanation <laughs> there's one last thing that I wanted to ask you about because we're, we're sort of um with the times just absolutely flown by but you're you're <laughs> really passionate about um, science and, and engineering obviously we can just tell that talking to you now but you do you do a, a part of what you're doing here is to try and sort of show kids um, and, and particularly young women uh, the the opportunities that are available in science and engineering is can you just sort of tell me a bit more about what you've been doing there as well?
1: So, um, yeah, I've always loved science and engineering. It's, a, I mean, it is clearly a total addiction. Mm. Um, the whole STEM field has such great opportunities for jobs. Mm. I mean, they're, they're well-paid jobs, and flexible jobs, challenging jobs, satisfying jobs, and, and somehow we have convinced half the population that they can't do these awesome things just because they're girls, which is just sad because what we, two things happen. We are losing out on talent. We're losing out half the talent base. And um, this may be the, 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 the inventor of the next uh, the great battery or the cure for cancer, or who knows what that we're missing out. Yeah. Um, and we are missing out from an equality perspective and i just kind of it just upsets me <laughs> because i have had those these great opportunities in my life and i want want everybody to to realize that being in stem uh, it the only thing that really matters is your 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 brain and your hard work and your skills yeah and nothing really really matters and we shouldn't sort people um just kind of prematurely that you're a girl you can't be in stem and actually, if you're a race car driver, it's great to be small, but it's a whole different story. So yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to change the image of engineering uh, to show that uh, mechanical engineers don't work on oily engines or repair your your washing machine. Yeah. <laughs> we actually work on the absolutely coolest projects in the world. yeah and and it has really nothing to do with the. Uh, with, with the greasiness or, or macho nests. Mm. So I do that uh, in all kinds of ways. I, I try to visit the schools when I can, when I have time. I do also show that engineering is uh, uh, used for very girly things if you want to. Yep. Yeah, uh, so I have a I have a three D printed handbag. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, and it's, as soon as I find a few minutes to upload it to my website, you will be able to download it and print your, your one for yourself. But I have a I've CAD-ed it myself. I teach CAD at the University of Auckland. Yeah. Drafting and, and CAD, uh, so I've CADed my own handbag. Uh, it's three D printed. Uh, has compartments for like pens and iPads and everything, and it has built in LED lights, so I can find my stuff.
0: <laughs> and, awesome. and it's
1: funny i i, I meet people uh, uh to talk about electric racing and the only thing they remember is my handbag
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay
1: but that's great i'm perfectly fine with that but that that's part of, of trying to give mechanical engineering a new image
0: yeah uh, It's fantastic i really um i mean uh gonna have unfortunately we've run out of time but i am just um you are such an inspiration eva i'm really uh <laughs> privileged to have been able to talk to you and it's it's fantastic to see what you're doing it really really is um so all, all the best um in adelaide and um really really excited to hear more about green envy and how the plans for that are going so
1: well we could uh, we will keep it uh, uh everything we do is public so i'm an open book Okay. I try to publish everything I can about wheel development and, and racing, and we don't have many secrets yeah, because I don't really see a point in keeping secrets. Okay. Uh, we, we, it's easy to, for me to say because we're so way ahead of the competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: so it's easy to be to be open and, and a bit cocky, but uh, but for, it, for right now, uh, we are far enough ahead of the competition that I'm happy to tell all the secrets we have for racing.
0: Oh, it's fantastic brilliant so um we'll put in the show notes we'll put links to your website uh, so people can find you and follow you there um and and keep up to date with um with what you're doing but um that's been brilliant thank you thank you thanks very much eva
1: well it's been a pleasure to be on the show
0: thank you so i really hope you enjoyed today's podcast uh, to be honest we could have kept going for hours and hours and hours But we had to stop. Uh, We just ran out of time. So uh, it was wonderful to get the chance to talk to Eva and find out more about The Killer Jewel and her new project, The Green Envy. There's a link in the show notes below. Uh, So follow Eva. Keep in touch with what she's doing. It's really exciting. Uh, She's doing an absolutely fantastic job. As always, really appreciate it if you could uh, leave us a rating or hit like, comments, or you know if you've got any questions or anything in particular that you'd like us to look at, please feel free to get in touch and, uh, and send those in to us. Okay, that's all, all we've got time for today. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon.